Hi, welcome from the Rookery End, uh, another weekly podcast. Uh, we are post-Tottenham post Hotspur away, um, a 1-0 loss. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. We are four lifelong Watford fans, season ticket holders in the Rookery End, and from the Rookery End is our take on life as a Watford fan. My name is John. With me this evening is Mike. This might be the last time you hear from me. I'm going to see Slipknot tomorrow night, and I'm nearly 40. <laughs> but hi. Hi. Um, oh, we have a mentor's podcast. Uh, Jason's with us. I'm I'm already 40 and a couple of years beyond, and I'm definitely not going to see Slipknot tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Geordie. Yeah, I'm neither 40 nor going to see Slipknot. Geordie wins then, I think, in that case. <laughs> well, I don't feel like it. <laughs> you might think this sounds a little bit different to normal podcasts. Well, there's a good reason for that. Um, we're all sat in our individual homes talking to each other via the power of Skype. Um, so we're going to make it sound as cool and as, uh, as slick as we can, but that's why it just sounds a little bit different. We're like, uh, we're like One Direction. We can't stand to be in the same room together anymore. <laughs> Uh, right, so uh, Saturday it was uh, an away game at Spurs, the high-flying Spurs, and uh, Watford came away um, as uh, 1-0 uh, losers, unfortunately. Uh, but the, the the day sort of started off in a very interesting way, Jason, didn't it? Because the starting eleven came out, and it was a little bit not what we expected. Um, Deeney was on the bench, and we had uh, Gomez in goal, Aki, Poodle, Cathcart, uh, Neom in defence. Uh, in front of him... Well, there was, a, there was a, a huge number of people in midfield. Abdi, Gerardo, Kapu, Suarez and Watson, along with Igalo up front. Now, that's an interesting sort of collection of players that we didn't expect to see. Uh, and he started, Jason, as 4-2-3-1. So, Igalo up front with three right behind him, which included Kapu. What was your first thoughts? That was very strange, wasn't it? Because I, I saw the lineup and I was expecting a, a four-three-two-one, as I believe others on this podcast did as well. Um, mm-hmm. With I'd imagined the three that we'd seen in uh, Plan A point one or whatever we're going to call it in previous <laughs> weeks, uh, or instead of with Suarez in instead of Barami, I expected to see them in front of the back four with Abdi and Gerardo playing uh, just behind Igalo, but it didn't quite work out that way and Kapu ended up playing in a more advanced role which we say advanced but let's be honest we didn't actually do much advancing in that first half anyway I talked about on the last podcast about coming out the Spurs game damage limitation uh, and that appeared to be the way we were setting up on Saturday the changes at half time um, Suarez uh, came off uh, and Barami went on and uh, Abdi came off and on goes uh, Troy Deeney. And it seemed to be, oh, yeah, that's the Watford side uh, we've grown to know and love this season. Um, and it, it seemed to be, as the second half went, what I felt would be what the, the game would have been if we'd started with our strongest 11 playing against a very good Spurs side, Jase. Yeah, and that's how you would, would have expected to have lined up in the first place. I think the, the game didn't really change much. OK, they got a goal, but let's be honest, I think in the first half... If it wasn't for Gomez, they uh, probably could have had one or two of those anyway. What Spurs did was attack with their fullbacks very much coming into play. Um, and because we were making it difficult for them, they were pushing men forward knowing we weren't really going to threaten them in any way other than the odd uh, sort of long ball where we tried to release uh, Igalo or Dini when he came on in the second half. Um, and that seemed to be our, our biggest threat towards the end when we needed to get try and get something from the game. Um, we tried a, a, a couple of those but it didn't quite happen on the day so people might say did we really have a go should we have a go we probably approached it 
in the most sensible way, see if we can stay in the game for as long as possible, and then at the end, either hang on for what we got, or in the case that we where we were, just to go behind, just to try and nick something from the game that we probably didn't deserve. Mike, fans' reaction, uh, especially towards the first half and, and the whole performance and that sort of lack of attack, as Jason uh, pointed out, was um, extremely negative. Yeah, and if this does prove to be my last podcast, I want to make sure I'm I'm nice and balanced and leave some <laughs> salient points out there. So I would start by saying, at least you know this was a plan B. This was a, a this was a different plan. This was a tactical decision that 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 Kike made. And you know we were all very very quick to say, oh, what's the plan B? Can we can we do something different to get something out of a out of a game? Can we approach it different? And he tried it, and um, it, it didn't work. Uh, and a lot, lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say, well, we got battered. It was the the, the, the most one-sided one nil you're ever going to see. Well, you set up like that. It it will look it will look like that. You will invite pressure, but we very very nearly got away with it. We very nearly came away from the team that's second in the table with a point. Um, and if we had have done that, you'd have had to have given um, Kike credit for setting up like that and 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 basically nicking a point. So on one hand. He, he made that decision and I think we have to respect that and, and, and going to a team who is flying high, got a lot of attacking potential. Jace, you said, you reminded us in the last podcast, you were a little bit worried that we'd get opened up. So a pragmatic approach isn't isn't necessarily a surprise. However, however, to go into a game with, well, with basically no intention of winning it really, uh, apart from a, a sucker punch and nicking it, is something that we're just not used to. Um, certainly as Watford supporters and, and not necessarily in this country. We're not used to the sort of defensive style of play. Um, I think we start, we, we do understand that Kike is a defensive-minded coach and he'd rather get 1-0 one one up and shut up shop and, and call it a day. But to, to, to start a game so signposted towards being defensive, I th- try not to say negative, but you know, it was quite negative and defensive, um, is, is, isn't... isn't isn't something that we're used to and isn't something that sits comfortably with us because basically it feels like we've given up. It feels like we've ceded um, the game, we've ceded the opportunity for points to the other team before we've even started. For a lot of people, this is a big game. You know, Who likes Tottenham fans? I don't. I think Tottenham <laughs> are really, really annoying. I think they've been been a thorn in the in, in Watford's side for, for a long time You know, with their sneering comments in the 80s and so on and so forth. So this was a big game for a lot of Watford fans, me, me included. I wanted to, to do one over. We felt like we owed them one from the from the game at Vicarage Road where we played well and uh, perhaps it was a bit of injustice with uh, with the sending off and then the, the last-minute goal. So it was a bit of a perfect storm of, of us wanting to, to, to play well and the big away day, it's close. And to have what was served up sort of presented in front of in front of us was 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 a bit disappointing and i think people felt it keenly because it's a bit of a derby and and so on and so forth so i understand the the backlash and there and there was a backlash it was well, you people the, the basic premise is what's the point in turning up if you're going to play like that you know we we suffered it the 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 week before at forest where they 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 tried to snuff us out completely and and as a result we saw quite a boring game um, and and we we nicked it in the end. Our, our class told. So it's kind of almost like a mirror image of of that Forest game. We were Forest and and Tottenham were Watford this this time round. So I yeah I, I totally understand the frustration and the the annoyance. Um, but also on the flip side, we're we're ticking off those points as we get to as we get towards 40, 41, 42, whatever it's going to be. And if we'd have come away from Tottenham Hotspur with a point. I think everyone would have had would have had to have taken their hats off to to, to Sanchez Flores and say it was a job well done. But Definitely, you know, a, a really disappointing day, really, isn't it? As a, as a football supporter, you want to see your team give it, give it a good, good go, good go. 
Um, and that means for us, and maybe that's a bit naive, but giving it a good go means means at least being in with a chance of winning the game. Jordy, um, Mike made that comment about how it was Watford had a good Nottingham Forest impression uh, on our WhatsApp group. You mentioned the following day, you made a comment about the Bournemouth-Arsenal game. Yeah, it was because Bournemouth went down 2-0 uh, pretty early on, didn't they? And from some of the reactions of the Watford fans from the Spurs game, and I take Mike's points about, you know, what's the point of turning up if you're not going to go for it? You know, Chelsea won the Champions League uh, under Di Matteo using that pretty much that tactic and, and Drogba as a kind of battering ram. Uh, hitting teams on the counter-attack. So I guess, is it our place to to go to Spurs and expect to to play them off the park? You know, Bournemouth, who came up with us, they lost to Arsenal. Uh, Norwich lost away to Villa. That kind of puts into context that, you know, we're grumbling about a result that wasn't even the worst result of the the weekend in the league. In fairness fairness though, Geordie, it's a big leap from expecting to play Tottenham off the park to... Uh, to competing, and I'm not, I'm not not arguing, but I think that's a big big statement to say, expecting us to play Tottenham off the park. I don't think that's what people who were upset with the performance were suggesting. I think what they're suggesting was let's let's at least set up with a li- little bit of attacking um, uh, attacking threat, and and l- at least look like we're going to go for it. I don't think anyone in their right mind would would expect to play play Tottenham off the park or or wallop them or 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 play gung ho like we like we did in the Championship. But I think. I think- so it's important not to make too big a leap, I think. No, but I think that's that's tactics. You know, we go to Tottenham, we don't expect to beat them. We set up defensively. We look to see the game out. The goal we conceded was avoidable. Um, you know, uh, if if Kapu had made a little bit of a run back and anticipated Trippier's positioning, you know, the game could have gone on a bit longer. Spurs might have got a bit nervous and we could have gone for it in the last 10 minutes. We might have closed up shop and kept a nil-nil, which everyone would have been happy with. And the actual performance wouldn't have been... Wouldn't have gone down in the history books, but a point away at Spurs would have been fantastic. Yeah, and you I mentioned think... you mentioned Capu there, Jordi, uh, and uh, I think it's a bit a bit it's rich that we're talking about not a, not a great attacking performance when actually Capu did a triple nutmeg. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a proud moment while watching a uh, match today, uh, watching <laughs> yeah. that go one, two, three. Um, and I, but one thing I did like, they seemed to think that he could do it because he used to play football with them. Um, no, mm. he did it because he's pretty good with a nutmeg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. To, to, to Mike's point, yeah, I can understand that. You know, if you spent your money, you've gone down there. You got. We all got annoying Spurs friends, uh, and bless them, they haven't had much to crow about. Because at least, you know, even when we weren't doing much, we were doing better than our rivals up the road. But they've lived in Arsenal's shadow for such a long time that they're clutching at kind of being ahead of them on goal difference now. Um, but they're a good team. It's not the Spurs of old. So. You know, it, we didn't go there to win. Uh, to be honest, I was more disappointed with the Swansea performance, with the Southampton performance, and I am with Spurs. At least I can see, frustrated as it might be, what Kike was thinking about. And and had and had we held out a bit longer, you know, a draw would have been good. And if we'd snuck something on a a bit later on, then it would have been a famous win. So I'd rather I'd rather, to be honest, lose one nil and kind of write the game off and be a bit disappointed than than go there and and be two 0 down within the first twenty minutes, like Bournemouth were to Arsenal. I think. That you know, people can applaud Bournemouth for the way they approach it, but I think maybe Kike's a bit um, got more street smarts at the moment than Eddie Howe, which is reflected in our league positions. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. Jordini's not a man to uh, mix his his words. It wasn't particularly good words for Juan Carlos Paredes after the Chelsea game. Uh, and the incident between him and uh, Diego Costa. Uh, now, Jordi, you are a fluent uh, speaker of uh, Spanish. 
Yeah, but not Ecuadorian. Well, but it's close enough, isn't it? It's closer than I... <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's similar. It's very, pretty close, and, yeah. And he put a really interesting sort of message out on his Instagram, not reacting to, let's say, but making sure he had a public saying to what, what Troy had said. Uh, and with your ability with, uh, the, with the words of foreign lang- lands... So what did he say? Uh, well, it's it's a little statement on, on Instagram. Basically, he, st- he starts off by saying that football, uh, being in a football team, is like being in a family. And since he arrived here in 2014, um, he's felt really proud of being part of the Watford family, you know, the teamwork and all the love for football and everything that's been achieved. Uh, he kind of says, but you've got to remember that before I'm a player, uh, I'm a human being. I've got a family. You know, I'm a father. Uh, I'm a son. I'm a, I'm a, hus- I'm a husband. And then he and then he kind of leads on to you know whatever, you know, however however it is in the heat of the moment after a game, no no one has the right to blame another player, another person, or accuse them of being uh, pathetic or an idiot or or theatrical. Um, and then he's talked about how he represents his his country, which is a a small country that's kind of he's full of kind of um, illusion at, at, at representing millions of people who who stay up through the night to watch all the Ecuadorian players, you know, wherever they are in Europe. Um, representing their country's ambassadors and and who don't who aren't going to who don't appreciate kind of criticism um, from within and from without. Um, and he recognises that during the game there was some kind of inappropriate aggression for which he and Costa both were were uh, yellow carded. And he apologises to the fans, to all the Ecuadorians, to all his followers, and says that you know he's going to keep working really hard every day as he has done since he arrived uh, to make sure that he's ready to uh, do his bit when he's called up. So. I guess he's drawn a line under it, but there is that little bit in the middle where he references uh, the comments that were made after the game by the captain. Yeah, what what I take from that, chaps, is that he's just that's just a little apology and a bit of a um, reaffirming how how important football is to him. And I think he wanted to take a, take a, take a chance to to apologise. Like you say, it, it sounds like he's apologising to the Ecuadorian fans. It's great that it sounds like a lot of them are staying up and and tuning into Watford games. Um, and perhaps he was. He was moved to make that that apology because of of what of what Troy said, um, but I don't see it by uh, under any circumstances as a as a dig at Troy. I think it's I think it's his right to reply, and I I really like it. I think it's it's impassioned, it's sensible. Um, you know the heat of heat of battle. We we all know. You know we're sat in, we're sat in the stands and we all get aerated sat there. So. We know mm. what it's like on the on the pitch, but must preface it by saying we don't really want to um, ever be seen to be sympathetic to to play acting. We've we've hated it down the years as we've seen other other players do it against us. So we we can't really be too sympathetic to to the actual activity as to what actually happened. But what I do like is is the passion that comes through. Assuming Geordie that you've you've translated it <laughs> correctly. Um, well, but it just, that's a good thing about it all. Is that actually. I would not know what he would, he would have said. And like Geordie, you know, not that you're speaking for, for Juan Carlos, but actually just sort of getting his side of it. We don't often get to do that with some of the foreign players. We don't get the chance to uh, hear what they are um, feeling and thinking because they just don't have that ability to, 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 to express that. Especially when it comes to Paredes. I don't know if you remember, we mentioned it a while back, but when we saw Tommy Hoban, he said... Uh, Paredes had a bit of an issue with his throat, with his voice box, and wasn't able to speak at any great volume for a while, and was whistling to, to get attention <laughs> and whistling to get his uh, like a um, what's the what's the sheepdog called? 
Um, what's it called? Um, one man and his dog. One man and his dog. Yeah. So he, <laughs> if, he, if his football career fell off the fell off the edge of cliff, he could do that. But yeah. Mm. So uh, he's not whistling anymore. He, he's typing on Instagram. But I think he does reference Troy's point. But I think it's also fair to say that Troy's point was made in the heat of the moment after the game. He wasn't impressed with the way he acted. He's got every right to say that. Uh, Paredes has got his right to to respond. And I think he's he's done it really nicely there. And as a Watford fan, that that's quite nice to read. Someone. Quite passionate about the club and passionate about football. I think I think that's great. From the rookery end, a great season, and Watford fans are thinking a lot about what that future might be. Where might Watford be in the next five years? We gave Jason uh, the task to do some fortune telling and to find out what he thought might be the next five years. Or Watford fans. Jason, what did you come up with? This is interesting. I've had a bit of fun with this. How I see the next five years playing out is, uh, is pretty much the same. We've got replacing ageing squad members and doing what we can to uh, increase the capacity and get more Watford fans. So this is exactly how I see things happening over the next five years, right? Bear with me. So this season, we're going to finish 15th. One will draw at the end of the season, sees Bournemouth just pip us to 14th place. Sorry, Mike. In the summer, we reject a 20 million bid for Odunigalo from Gangju because we don't need to accept that sort of money. We don't make too many marquee signings. We just improve the squad. Idiora leaves, unfortunately, but we activate Fernando Forrest-Jerry's buyback clause and offer him all the uh, shin pads left over from the Watford sale. (laughs) EK adopts a a 4-2-2-2 Brazil box midfield formation because... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Because we have a, 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 a massive influx of defensive and central attacking midfielders. We actually finished seventh, which normally would see us uh, get into Europe. But unfortunately, Palace win the FA Cup. So we have to, uh, we have to uh, yeah, give that a miss for the following season. So before 17-18, Oji Nogalo sold for 30 million to Gangju. We buy Wilfred Bonny for 20 million. Uh, and Fernando Forestieri leaves after only playing three League Cup games. <laughs> Kike finally relents, and we go to the Durigur 4-2-3-1 formation. Goals are hard to come by, and we end up slipping back to 12th place. So for the 18-19 season, we see the ageing players are, are slowly replaced. So the likes of Amrabat uh, just come in as they sort of enter their early 30s. The likes of Penyaranda now established players in the uh, in the Watford side. The, the likes of Amrabat start to disappear. As it's post World Cup season, everyone's back to uh, to playing wing backs. Kike adopts an exciting three four one two formation, and we finally uh, establish our our fifth place and make it into the Europa League in time for the the fifth season of the plan. Where the Thursday night distraction does see us slip a bit in the league, we drop back to sixteenth. The good news is we've been able to invest in the uh, extra tiers on the Sir Elton John stand. Uh, and eventually we fall out of the Europa League in the first knockout round to Metalist Kharkiv on away goals. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I see I want that future. Going. That's exactly what I want to happen. <laughs> so that's, so that's, that's five years. And like I said, I had a bit of fun with it, but I, I think the, the principles are the same. We will see times where we sort of improve the squad because the squad needs to improve. We will get the odds sort of marquee signing coming in, um, but we will see our better players leave for big, big money. Uh, we'll see the players that have got us to where we are in the Premier League so far. Slowly, they will they will leave because we will have improved the squads as a whole and those players won't be good enough to take us forward. Nice. Um, Did you play that all out on Football Manager? <laughs> I, I would love to try It sounds very detailed. That. 
all out on on football manager. I'm not sure I'd be able to, but uh, <laughs> Jason, where do you get where, where do you get those mushrooms you put in your dinner last night? <laughs> I tell you what it is, boys. It's because it's that lack of sleep. Because I did manage to stay up and watch the whole of the Super Bowl, oh, well and done. then get up and go to work today. So, so I'm uh, yeah. I'm, whereas what? Mike was buzzing off a Chelsea point last week, I'm buzzing off no sleep. Yeah. Well, what I would say is that I think that I mean that is it, I don't know about you guys. That's blown my mind the the intricate details of the uh, the Watford roller coaster over the next five years. But I think you know I was quite positive without without aiming for silverware. Um, and I think what Jason's done there, he he's encapsulated what we might face for the for the next five years. And it's because it is difficult being a, an established Premier League side. What what actually there is there to play for, and there's. It's so multifaceted, the football club. You know, he talked about the Elton John stand, improving the ground, perhaps a trip into Europe, perhaps a decent league position. And there's so much to achieve. And and, it, and, and, and as Jay sort of suggested there, it can be dependent on other stuff and other, other bits can fall down the pecking order or performance can slip off at other areas to, if we're going to get success in others. So perhaps that's like a quite a is it salutary tale that... Um, the, the, the years ahead, whilst it's been amazing this year, but there are going to be ups and downs, um, and I think that's I think that's a really sort of helpful, um, if not slightly um, scarily in depth look look forward as to as to what could happen. And we've sounded like we're pinging up and down the league, which is you know look at Palace for example, we've had a great couple of years, but now now struggling a bit. And I think it's yeah it's good just to sort of remind ourselves, and that little exercise is a little pinch yourself and think what does the future for, for Watford actually look like because at the moment we're excited about Saturday and that's every week at the moment we're excited about Saturday because we're in the Premier League everywhere he goes that, that Premier League badge which is magnificent it's what we've wanted for so long but there's so much to happen isn't there there's so much stretching out before us and so much could happen and people talk about um, the Premier League being predictable but when you hear, to hear Jason's five years there it's not necessarily a massively successful um, you know, if that was Arsenal, they'd be pretty peeved off with that season. But John, you were like straight away, I'll take that, and that that would be an exciting five years, wouldn't it? And uh, another great five years in the history of Watford. always believe in your soul. You got the power to know you're indestructible. Always believe in You're listening to From the Rookery End. Uh, great season so far. Uh, next stop, Crystal Palace away. Geordie, uh, um, we, we've talked about Crystal Palace as um, a team to look up to a little bit, maybe um, uh, the way they've done things. Uh, how are you? You know, are you looking forward to, to Saturday, or are you uh, dreading a trip to Selhurst Park? Uh, well, I think everybody dreads a trip to Selhurst Park just for travel reasons, um, <laughs> and because you know, at the end of it, you're in not far from Croydon. Uh, so, so there's nothing to look forward to there. Um, it's an interesting game because uh, Palace, when we played them in, earlier in the season, they kind of did a job on us, didn't they? They kind of showed us what a proper, what a, almost like when you go to secondary school and there's a kid from your junior school a couple of years older than you, and you know he's he knows the way and it's a bit more street smart. But there, I was just looking at the form table and between Watford and Palace, um, out of the last 36 points that they could each have got. 18 points each in the last six games. There's five. So it's, I don't think it's going to be necessarily um, the most uh, the most historic of uh, of games. Uh, Palace are on an awful run. Kind of got a draw against Swansea, um, but they've be- been beaten by Tottenham, our friends. They've been beaten by Man City. They got beaten by Villa. They got beaten by Bournemouth. 
beaten by Chelsea. You know, they drew with Swansea, drew with Bournemouth. So they're not on a very good run at the moment. And it, it's one of those things, you know, we, we could go there and do a job on them. What, I, what we probably won't do is, is approach it like we did the Spurs game, which is, oh, we're up against a form team. Um, it's almost the polar opposite of, of Tottenham. So hopefully we'll go out there and say, let's, let's blitz it for the first 20 minutes. Jason, uh, yep. we finished in the league for, uh, for a little bit. Um, and we go away to Leeds United. We haven't talked about that, that draw. Are you happy with Leeds? Leeds, I'm even happier because it's at home. Um, and not away. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think, I mean, my reaction with it being Leeds, I have uh, family uh, relations who are or is a Leeds fan and, and friends of the family who are Leeds fans. Uh, and I think Troy Deeney on Twitter had a similar reaction to the draw because mm. uh, I think his old man was a Leeds fan. Uh, and it sort of just brings back sort of memories of, of where we've come from. Uh, let's not forget the last game of the season under Zola. That was against Leeds. Um, and of course, that same season, we went up there and beat them 6-1. So there's a not a, not a sort of edge or needle to it, but probably a, a sporting familiarity coming mm. up against Leeds United. Mm. They're a bit of a funny old side still with uh, the man in charge down there, Salino, and uh, a boss that everyone loves to hate. Steve Evans. It's obviously been immediately dismissed as as being uh, a match for TV because it won't be very interesting. But I think most of all, what both sets of fans will probably see as is an opportunity to get to the court final yeah. and be one game away from Wembley. And that's probably the most important thing. I, obviously, we don't want to take them lightly because they are capable of putting on a performance, especially that man, Tamani Diagaraga in midfield. Yeah. Superstar. Uh, um yeah, it, it is an opportunity, and that's the number one thing. I think we've got a good chance of qualifying for the for the court final, um, and who knows where we go from there. Thank you for listening to uh, this week's podcast. Uh, we'll be back again uh, fairly soon uh, to chat more about Watford, the Premier League football club. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end.